I love your little tidbits by the, about the albums, by the way. Yeah, since we're covering so many, I was like, you know what? It'll be fun for me to like have a something to just like a touchstone. Yeah, like, right. Listening to the music can kind of inform it, but if I have that while listening, it kind of helps. So I yeah. put it in there like as soon as I build the notes. Yeah, the main barrier to entry for Guar, I think, is just knowing lore. <laughs> yeah. So because the songs make a lot more sense with the right context. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're not good. It's just they're better with context. And there's so much. Yeah. Like watching that documentary, I didn't realize there was like that much going on constantly. Mm-hmm. And that documentary could have been five episodes long. Oh yeah, for sure. So I, I think. I mean, they just breezed through the albums we're talking about right now. They didn't even really talk about them. I mean, I know a couple of them they don't really love, but... Yeah, which is... Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. All right, let's just do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to week two of Scumbox. (laughs) (laughs) We're keeping that. Scumdog September. (laughs) And you know what? That makes up for me calling it Slumdog September. It does, it does, it does. Yeah, I fucking... I can't speak. Just fucking start the episode. No, yep, let's start it. After that abortion of an opening, uh, we're ready to hop into it here. Uh, week two, this is years 1997 through 2001. I wanted to call this the weird years because this really is Guar's just strangest period in their history. Also, I'm in studio this week, so I'm yeah. pretty excited about that. Yeah, it it makes more distractions, Yeah, but it's very fun to, to do it in person. It feels OG. Yeah, uh, We didn't start doing it in person until the beginning of this year, so it's kind of crazy. You mean uh, not in person? Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we started doing Google Meet. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I'm happy with the sound on Google Meet. Yeah. But it is, it's fun to do it in person. Yeah. I mean, it's because we can overlap each other in person and not be like awkward. Like, oh, what? What were you saying? Yeah. No, you go. Yeah. No, it, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we're doing uh, kind of the late 90s, 1997 to 2001. Uh, we're covering four albums. And uh, like we did last week, we're going to build a 10-song a playlist between you and I, and then we have an audience submission. Um, and just for some context, we are covering Carnival of Chaos from 1997, mm-hmm. We Kill Everything from 1999, uh, Slaves Going Single from 2000, and Violence Has Arrived from 2001. Yeah, buddy. So let's get into Ben's audience submission. And then uh, we'll start discussing the first album. Yep. Um, so Ben writes, hide your kids, hide your wife, because they offended everybody out here. <laughs> I didn't love the stretch of albums on the deep dive, but Violence Has Arrived was a return to form of sorts. Or maybe the birth 
of a new form of gore. Yep. Still gore, dirty, brutal, hilarious, and untamed by society, but backed by really polished metal. Not much I can put on air about Bloody Mary besides that it slays, which his pick is Bloody Mary from yeah. the album Violence Has Arrived. Um, newly proud to be a Bohab, Benji, Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben is really just snuck his way back into He really three. did. He really did. You know, the best. He, he everybody got Wally pipped. Yeah, yeah. Consistency took, is key. Yeah, he took he took his he took advantage of some uh, some key absences and has really just really solidified his his true place on the uh, on the podcast yeah. back where he, where he started. So, mm-hmm. like yep. like we said the, a couple weeks ago, like he's the only person that's listened to every single episode since week one. Yeah. <laughs> so he's truly truly is number three. So yeah. And it, I think he picked a, a song from an album that I think you picked two from. Mm-hmm. I picked one. Yeah, there's a reason um, there's four songs from this album in this in this uh, stretch of albums for sure because it's the best one by far. Yeah, and I think this song is like a really good storytelling song. Mm-hmm. Um, especially on this four album stretch, it gets really weird. And I I don't know I don't want to say they lost the script, but at times it kind of felt that way. Yeah. Um, but everything uh, gets a little weird, and it feels like. War and the the violence has arrived album is where they really found their true form, yeah. which makes us really excited for next week. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about like that the documentary this this is bar, they talk about how these weirds these years were pretty weird. Like they were just experimenting with new shit. Like they kind of, I feel like um, Brocky especially kind of settled into the fact that they were never going to break big, and so they're like fuck it, let's just do weird shit. For a few years, and they did. There's this is some real weird shit in here. Um, Slaves going single doesn't really count because it's just a bunch of unreleased demo stuff. But still, um, we kill everything. Is I mean, you're gonna get into it here in a bit, but it's not very good. No. <laughs> um. Yeah. Let's just. You want to hop right in? Yeah. Well, uh, I do want to talk real quick about uh, Bloody Mary because Bloody Mary, slutty very. <laughs> used to shave her pussy now it's getting pretty hairy I mean if that's not a guar lyric I don't know what is it's just every now and again you're, you're listening to a song and it's like oh they haven't said anything weird or gross yet and then <laughs> there's always some weird childish line in there and it always makes me laugh um, but yeah no this that, like we just talked about violence has arrived was because in my deep dive I, I listened to like two or three albums a day during my deep dive and so when I got to this album I was like fuck finally yeah Finally, we're back. Um, it's just so good. And it, there's nothing wrong with these albums. I just think when you're used to what they've done in the past mm-hmm. and what you know you have coming up in the future, um, they're just kind of a slog, I think. Yeah, I mean, coming from albums like Scum Dogs and Ragnarok, which are both great albums in their first that first week we did, to get, like, I don't know. I mean, Carnival Chaos is even kind of a little bit strange, um, and I'll talk about it here in a second, but... Um, yeah, it's, it was a really nice breath of fresh air for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to get into Carnival Chaos from 1997. Uh, the album is Gwar's longest album, exceeding 74 minutes. Which is wild. 74 minutes is so long. That's probably two of their first couple albums. <laughs> yeah. Their first album was 16 songs and it was 30 minutes long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Yeah. Uh, Hunter Jackson returned. Yep. In the private pain of Techno Destructo. Fuck Hunter Jackson, by the way. Fuck yeah. Guy. If you watch the documentary, you'll know why. He's just an asshole. We like him creatively. We hate him as a person. Yeah. Even to this day, he looks like someone that you just love to hate. Yeah. yeah. Um, he has a very punchable face. 
Uh, and her fear is Odorous' swan song. And Beefcake the Mighty uh, gives a memorable song and hate love songs. It was Casey Orr's last song as a lead vocalist with the band until his return on Lust and Space. Uh, which we're going to cover hate love songs here in a minute. Uh, Carnival Chaos is the last war album to feature Peter Lee as Flatus Maximus. Due to recurring stomach problems uh, stemming from a gunshot wound sustained in a carjacking four years prior, he left the band shortly after the 1997 Halloween tour. Um, I know we reference this documentary a lot, but this is kind of what uh, sent us on this like deep dive. Yeah. And they cover the, the gunshot, I think, very thoroughly. Super well. And it's so interesting because it's not something you would know. And to know that there's a bunch of gore people there mm-hmm. and uh, it caused a lot of problems, yeah. this whole situation. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's why um, like the original Beefcake left after this. Um, just because he didn't really, yeah, I don't know. They call like their stagehand slaves, and he made it. It made them really seem like they were actually slaves, you know. Yeah, um, it it shows how callous some of the people can be. Yeah, and insensitive to like personal things. Yeah, I think in an art collective, you're gonna get that. It's just it's all about the art, and you kind of forget the personal sometimes. So, I think anyone that's worked a job can kind of feel that way yeah, too. For sure, it's like what if you're not providing for whatever company you're working for, then your problems don't matter to them. Right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of interesting things going on, and I think that's why we get some weird divergency. Yeah. Um, songs from Carnival have not been played in the band's set list for a number of years, except for the group occasionally playing Penguin Attack and Back to Iraq. Unlike We Kill Everything, where the band readily admits their dissatisfaction for the content, um... They've yet to give a definitive reason why the songs Preschool Prostitute and Hate Love Songs were part of Gore's 2013 Madness at the Core of Time Tour set list. Madness at the Core of Time Tour set list. That's a great fucking name of a tour. <sighs> it makes me angry, honestly. <laughs> it's too wordy. Any, yeah, anyone trying to read fuck it. Fuck you, dude. You listen to fucking emo. Yeah. <laughs> their, their song titles are paragraphs. But they don't name their tours that. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I'd hate to be you when you find out what the song about tour. Yeah. <laughs> that just does. It's too much. Yeah, fair. Whatever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're getting into semantics. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first or you want me? Because I picked two songs from this album. Um, the fuck it. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, so since we already kind of talked about it. So I picked uh, Hate Love Songs. This is a uh, classic from me growing up listening to Guar and my brother Jason showing me Guar. I always really liked this song. Um, and when, as a kid, I could never tell like different vocalists. Now, as an adult, I can. It's very, very easy to tell. This is an odorous. This is a beefcake singing this song, um, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you can kind of tell because it sounds very much like the new stuff that they're doing, even like musically. It sounds very similar. It's more like hard rock now. And I don't I don't know if it's because I've heard so much odorous the last couple of weeks, yeah. but it's such a nice breath of fresh air when yeah. Beefcake comes on. Yeah, for sure. Any other vocalist. Um, that's why I had a song with uh, Slime Enstra in it last week. It's just cool to hear other vocalists. And even like Techno, when he, do, when he does vocals for a song, um, it's just a cool, again, like a breath of fresh air, like you were saying. And, um, but yeah, no, I, I love this song. It's just a kind of a straightforward punk track. A lot of palm muting. Uh, it's just, the, it, I mean, you listen to the instrumentals, it's just uh, a punk track. Like, no, 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 uh, 
nothing crazy about it, but um, I really like this song because it it is if you put it in the proper context of Guar and that they're inter interdimensional intergalactic space warriors, it's funny to have them to be forced to write a song about love because obviously you know beefcake has this huge uh glad- gladiator helmet and he just he looks fucking awesome he was always my favorite like costume growing up and um so he has to admit that he's in love but he doesn't want to like ruin his image <laughs> so he's like he's just talking about everything he hates about love and like i hate everything that's cuddly like you and it's just every every he gives these little uh uh, consent concessions at the end of every verse which i think is really funny it's like i hate all these things because they remind me of you and i love you but i so i have to hate you and, and, and that's how he ends the song too is i hate love so i hate you which i think is you know in the context of guar pretty sweet it's like that's the closest you're gonna get to beefcake the mighty saying oh i love you baby it's it's very uh 10 things I hate about you kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's making a big list of things you hate yeah. and then being like I don't hate them at all actually yeah. I actually love those things <laughs> yeah. um, Wasp would love yeah. to have written this song yeah, they would have um, that's so funny you put that <laughs> just because it is like a warped sense of love yeah. and I think Wasp was always kind of in on that like contrarian kind of yeah they joke. were out to offend the yeah. same the same way Guar is and uh I, I I don't get triggered by much, but saying I love puppies when they're roadkill. I love puppies when they're roadkill. I was like, I love pup. No, no, <laughs> yeah. you don't want dead puppies that around always, here. That, that's flip always made me laugh too. I got a Belgian Malinois staring at me right now every time I say puppy, and he doesn't like that line either. I just think it's over the line. Oh boy, it, it's got Diesel barking now. Yeah. So chased him out of the room. <laughs> um. Yeah, this song is like the anti-love song, and there I always love like anthemy songs that are kind of like the opposite of what you would expect. Yeah, uh, say anything has a song called "I Hate Everyone," yeah. and it's just like a fun sing along to. And Blink does shit like that too. Like you find yourself singing along to songs that are kind of funny. Yeah, like, it's, I always whenever we talk about anti songs, I always bring up Maxwell Siller Hammer too by the Beatles. It's like super fun and bouncy but it's about a mass murderer yeah <laughs> who kills the judge in the trial it, it, it's just it's crazy i mm-hmm. love i love shit like this yeah the, it, it seems a little petulant but i think that's kind of what they're going for um it's almost like someone kind of too immature to admit they're in love like they're too cool to admit it yeah um there's an awesome guitar solo and i think carnival warehouse is still in my wheelhouse so as i was listening to these albums i was like I don't know. I don't know. Do I really like this? I think Carnival Chaos is really in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, especially because I pick two songs. From- yeah. It's well. It's very. It's very much a punk album. Um, and it even sounds like they talk about this on one of your songs too, where even the like production quality sounds like it's from like 1990. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds very much like Scum Dogs in the way it's it's produced, which I love and hate at the same time because at this point production should be better, but. You I mean, know. it's still 1997. Yeah, but still, I mean, think about the stuff. There was so much good music that came out in 1997. Like, that's peak Biggie and Tupac, and they didn't sound like this. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's a love-hate thing for me. Like, mm-hmm. punk should sound bad, but it should sound better than this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, my first pick, 
from Carnival of Chaos 1997 is First Rule Is. And I kind of enjoy that we are like back to the punk roots. Like we were just talking about. Um, there's a, a halftime verse from the one minute mark to the two minute mark. Yep. And then we descend right back into the punk rocker. And I think that's something that a lot of punk bands could learn from. Yeah, is I It agree. doesn't have to be full throttle the whole time. If you slow it down for just a few minutes and and get back to that, that momentum feels so much more powerful. Yeah. And I think that's why I really like No Pressure is like they don't just go for it the whole song. Yeah. They like there's some structure to it. Um, I think it's just really interesting songwriting. Um, the song points at hypocrisy with gun toting people and them being against murder and then not caring that murder happens every day. <laughs> yeah. um, it's probably the most political I think I've noticed from them. There are a lot of their shit is political. Mm hmm. I mean, we did a song called Saddam Agogo last week. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was just a, you know, pointing out the hypocrisies of the Iraq war and shit. There's just not a lot of songs that you look at the lyrics and go, okay, that's kind of just something silly or gibberish or yeah. trying to be over the top. Like the, this one felt like it had a little bit more to say. Yeah, for sure. Um, this could be a B-side to Scumdogs. I mean, it just, it, like I said, both the way it just mainly because of the way it sounds in the production quality. Um, and it's, it's good, but it's not as good as scum dogs. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, a lot of the stuff you, you talked about, I agree with, like, I love that halftime breakdown. Um, and then the pick back up right after it, it's a really creative way to, um, extend a punk song. This, this song could have easily been two minutes and 15 seconds long, but it's got just over three minutes and it doesn't feel too long. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's like the perfect length because you get a little bit of a change and it's like a true kind of bridge, which you don't, you know, in true punk songs, you don't really have a lot no. of bridges. So um, it's just a little bit more uh, mature songwriting. And I really, really enjoy that. So, yeah, great, great pick. Love it. Um, my second pick, um, since I picked two songs yep. from uh, Carnival Chaos, if I could be that. Um, there's a drum part that starts, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's just a guy hitting the snare with yeah. two two sticks old jismac to gusha <laughs> is that his name yeah jismac to gusha uh when he does that and then there's like some some fry guitars yeah it's fucking great dude. oh my god i could throw myself through a cement wall hearing that yeah and i fucking love it and that's when i kind of realized this is kind of their new metal era yeah and i think that's why it's so lovably bad sometimes is that like that's how we felt about new metal mm -hmm. all of it wasn't great but when it was good it was really good yeah uh, it's got all the fixins uh, for new metal. The vocal delivery reminds me of new metal, and it's kind of that like blurred line of metal and punk that we get in this this track that I really enjoy. And then we finish the song the same way we started it with that snare, and then the reprisal of the last chorus, and then the guitars, and it felt like a huge culmination. And it was fucking beauty, man. This is the one I listened to I think the most this week. Interesting, yeah. And I think it's just because of that the way the song starts and ends. It's yeah. just like, as soon as it ends, you're like, I want it again. I want it again. Yeah, I mean, this is just a really fucking heavy punk song. And I agree, that intro is just, it's fucking brutal. It punches, this song punches you in the face for 55 seconds mm -hmm. and doesn't let up. Like, to me, like, I when I'm listening to this song, I just, this is the song you open up the pit to. It's yeah. fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, there, then once you get past that 55 seconds of just pure pit, pit fury, 
Um, there, I don't know how else to describe them, but there's little squealy guitar parts <laughs> um, after the first chorus that they just really make me happy. And it's I, I kind of, as I had this little headcanon going on of being in a pit, this is like when you're when you go back past the wall and the squealy bits are like your ears ringing from being punched in the head for a full <laughs> minute straight, and then you get back into it, but your ears are still ringing because the squealy bits are still there. Um, it's just fucking awesome. This is a true, true punk banger. And I, I can't get enough of it. So, yeah, it. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that album four. They're kind of getting back to their roots. Yeah, because they'd been a band for over ten years yeah. at this point. Yeah, so pretty much. To go ten years and be like, I kind of want to just do another punk rock album. Yeah, maybe add a little bit more, maybe some metal guitars, and I think this is sound quality a little bit better than Scum Dogs, and I think I enjoy yeah. it more than Scum Dogs for that reason. Interesting. Just I, it's always just a little bit more polished. Yeah, sure. You like the new stuff, but as a new fan, I like the newer stuff. That's fair. That's fair. Newer because it's from nineteen ninety seven, twenty five years. Newer old. in their history for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I love it. You ready to move on? Yeah, let's talk about "We Kill Everything" yep. from nineteen ninety nine. Um, the members of Gore seldom discuss "We Kill Everything" in interviews uh, since the Gormageddon nineteen ninety nine tour. Only Baby Raper has remained a constant <laughs> in their set list. This could be either to do with the dislike of the album or the fact that most of these songs deal with a specific concept or have a former member. Uh, they're unable to be played. Although they do play short history of the end of the world uh, during uh, warm-ups, which yeah. I love it's because awesome, yeah. uh, that's the track I'm going to get into later. Um, Rocky. That's so good. Uh, Brocky, who's Odorous Arungus, uh, particularly disliked the song Nitro Burnin' Funny Bong, which he described as extremely annoying. I agree. Along with his entire It's Sleazy video. Yeah. Uh, I think Sleazy P is very annoying. I love Sleazy P Martini. I think he's just got a really funny costume. Um, but yeah, I mean, not a great character, but... He reminds me of Andy... Andy Richter? No. Um... (laughs) Jim Carrey played him in a movie, Man on the Moon. Oh, yeah, Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. Yeah, sure. It reminds me of Andy Kaufman character. Um, when it was active, Gore's message board made it explicitly clear not to make mention of We Kill Everything, <laughs> uh, stating that those who did would be banned from the forum. However, as seen on a recent post from their website detailing the latest Gore which would be f- so much fun to go to, and the 30th anniversary of the band, lead guitarist Brent Perguson did hint at the album title openly on its homepage, stating that I have yet to grasp this concept of the internet and the spouting of self-important speeches by people on social media. The internet must die, so Gore will kill it. Management tells me the internet is not a person that can be fought and killed, but they don't know the true power of scum dog. We kill everything. Yeah, yeah. What a great quote. <laughs> it's so good. It's so long. I had to. I had to keep it in. Yeah. There. What's so funny too is because they talk about it in the documentary too. Again, we're trying to don't referencing it again. Just watch the fucking document. Yeah, yeah. It's really good, even if you don't care about Guar. Um, but uh, Odorous would always Bogart interviews because that's just Brocky's personality. But when the other band members speak, they're also fucking hilarious because they just buy into the concept so well. Um, and they just say the most outrageous shit because they're always in character in mm-hmm. interviews. It's so funny. Uh, it's been hinted by the Guar members from around this time. Including Daniel Stamp, who was Sly Minstra. Sly Minstra Hyman, yep. Uh, that this is the band's least successful album, both in record sales and on tour. 
and popularity. So this is kind of the era that we talk about, kind of the the dip down right before we we go back up. Yeah. And I think this album is really their only huge dip down because Slaves Going Single, like we're going to talk about, is just kind of like it's well, only fun because no one can get their hands. Yeah, on it. it was it was not it wasn't released. Yeah. So it was impo- it's impossible. To, well, it was impossible to get a copy of it for a while. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, let's get into your pick. Yep. Uh, fucking an animal. Um, I love this song. Again, this is one of those songs it was perfect to, for 12-year-old me to listen to um, just because it's fucking funny. It's it's literally – it's there's no subtext here other than he's fucking animals because his partner won't let him fucking fuck her, which yeah. is – that that's the last line of the song. <laughs> uh, I forget what the fuck he says. Um, yeah. Whatever it's he said he 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 reveals that he can't fuck his partner so he fucks animals all day. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it's just it's intentionally offensive. Um, it's three three minutes of nothing but bestiality references, and it's a little too long for a joke. This could have been like a two minute fifteen second song, easy. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have done with the part without the part where it's and now it starts to rain. It's just the slowdown doesn't need to be there. But no. um I mean I let the for example, um the last verse is not not proud of what I do, fucking an animal. <laughs> Had a fun time at the zoo, fucking an animal. Um because <laughs> yeah. you won't let me fuck you. Animal And that's how the song ends. <laughs> It's, it's fucking all. It's, it's so, so funny. ridiculous. And it's that, that those lyrics over top of what I can only describe as like metal carnival music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so guar. It hurts, dude. It's yeah. just goofy. It's meant to offend. Um, what's the Blink song where it's what? What is it? Family reunion or whatever? Where it's just a bunch of swear words. Shit, piss. Yeah. Yeah. Cocksucker, motherfucker. They piss, actually shit. have a song called "I Want to f- F a Dog in the A S S." I don't want to say it because. I want to fuck a dog in the ass. Yeah, I'll let you say it. <laughs> I don't like those words being thrown together. Earmuffs, boys. Um, but yeah, no, it's. Uh, I, I also love the odorous at the end. He's like, I'm not willing to spend any more time on that song. <laughs> it's just his. It's his admission that this this may have been a little bit too. Yeah. <laughs> too far. It's just really funny. It's not very good, um, objectively, but it's. It always makes me laugh. I honestly thought this was from Slaves Going Single because yeah, it, yeah, very well could it seemed like a half cock idea for this <laughs> album. Um, what are you trying to tell me, Kev? Because this is two tracks in a row that have involved animals being either dead or pleasuring them. I mean, he makes good points. Didn't have to take her on a date. All I had to do was stand here on my crate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned Blink. I think it's a great comparison because... That's uh, it's such a punk thing to do is just say something that like you know if you're listening to it around your parents they're gonna be like, turn this off. Yeah, you're never listening to this again. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's what they want. They want people to like buy this and hide it from their parents. Yeah, it's hyperbole. I mean, it's hyperbole for the the sake of of offense. Yeah. Um, I you touch on a little bit. It's just a little too long. Uh, and if that guy really boned a moose. That's a, an incredible feat of strength. Yeah, and I couldn't I couldn't help but think of uh, Letterkenny about the uh, about an ostrich. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's at least a three person job. What's a moose then? Yeah, you need a tranquilizer. <laughs> You're gonna have to yeah. sedate that. thing. That's a ten twenty person job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 
my song from We Kill Everything, 1999, is a short history of the end of the world. I'm not going to do all the abbreviations and all that shit. Yeah. Um, they had me at the intro mimicking the Jaws theme. Yeah. The second I heard that, Kev, I was like, I don't know. I'm in. And it took me a couple of listens to realize there were no lyrics. Yeah. Because the lyrics are kind of background with gore. And it was just a breath of fresh air getting an instrumental. And I think this is the first instrumental they've done. It's the only one that I know of, for sure, except outside of Good Slaves Going Single. Yeah. And I think this is, a, I think the, from what I read, it's like their first one until years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so needed. It's a bass forward song um, for the first minute. And it really shines, even if it is kind of just a little repetitive, but mm-hmm. it's still like that tone is so chonky. Yeah. And after the first chorus, the quote unquote chorus, uh, yeah. the guitars really kick it up and they soar and they womp. Yeah. I love the womp, dude. Yeah. This is a very I don't know chug- if it's, uh, it's a very chuggy song. For yes. Sure. I don't womp, know if it's like a guitar pedal. Yeah. Or... They do use crybabies for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but the chugs to end the song are awesome. And. I really love a good instrumental, especially when it breaks up kind of a mediocre album. Mm-hmm. To get something like this is just like, oh god! It like it makes me so happy. Yeah. It, it keep it gives you the vitality to keep going for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Beefcake the Mighty indeed. This is a very bass heavy song, and it's pure bass tone too. It's not. There's not very. I mean, there's probably effects on it, but it just feels like just pure bass tone driving this entire song. And they're, it's almost done in parts. The way I the way I see this, since Odorous isn't in, I don't. This might be part of their stage show too. It feels like something they would do, like Odorous is being abducted by some monster, so the rest of the band has to go and fight this monster. So that's why he's not singing on this song. And Beefcake takes his shot first, and then uh, I don't know if it's Pustulus or Flatus at this point. The lead guitarist. Uh, I think this is the last one with Flatus. Okay, so he he comes in, takes his shot, and they both get beaten back, and then they're like fuck it we need to attack this guy together so they both like do their part and then towards the end like the whole band j- joins in because uh Jizmax drums really kick it up at the end too it's just it's a fucking whole scene it's like the guar like the brothers of guar trying to save odorous their de facto leader and it, that's that's kind of the, i don't know if that's what their stage show was for this um i know they play it now just to warm up which is fucking sweet um now if i go see him again i'm definitely going early to hear him warm up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you almost have to because I would love for them to open a show like this. Yeah, dude. Just like hearing everyone come in because it kind of it's like bass, then drums, then guitar, and then they all come in yeah. and then they kind of fade out and then they all come back in the same way. It's really, really cool how they did it. Yeah, man. It's fucking, it's a great song. Fucking love this song. Um, Yeah. You want to move on to Slaves Going Single? Oh, yeah, I guess. Um, so Slaves Going Single, we've talked about it. Uh, it's from the year 2000, and it's very aloof. Uh, it was released in 2000. Slaves Going Single is a rarities compilation featuring tracks from Gore's Slave Pit Singles fan club tapes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know much about that. Can you explain that? I don't really know much about it either. I just know it was only available to true true bohabs like people who were like mega fans of guar so people were getting like demos and they kind of just put a whole collection of demos yeah um and released them all the album was released exclusively to members of gore's total slavery club and the remaining copies were sold at concerts yep so it's the collector's dream really it's like i don't know it's like finding a hannes wagner card or something you know it's (laughs) it's that elusive and uh i think we we were talking about it the other day. You said you wanted like a physical copy of the mm-hmm. CD, and 
it's probably like a like a cassette tape for 1997. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I just think it, looking at the discog and stuff and how much it's gone for. Yeah, like 200 the price, bucks. Yeah, the most recent was like two years ago and 200 bucks. Yeah. So it's you're going to have to spend a pretty penny basically yeah. to find it. And we're going to get into it for what? <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, well, yeah. Uh, so track tracks one and three are from the Art of War um, single tape. Tracks four to six are from Rargwar. Tracks seven through eight are from Wolfgang AM, A New World of Sound. Tracks 10 through 11 are from MC Rhythmless with Gangbang. Track 12 is from Gore Light. And tracks 13 and 14 are from a soundtrack to Kill Yourself To. Yeah. Uh, really great like uh, mixtape names. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, these are all like a lot of these were side like failed side projects and shit too. So. Mm-hmm. I think it's this kind of stuff is interesting to me because I don't know how much we've talked about it, but the comic books and like they have such like a culture mm-hmm. outside of just music, and I think that's so that's so cool. Bands really don't have the capability of doing that anymore. Yeah, I mean, record labels just won't let them. Yeah, I mean, because the record label will take a cut of all. Like Metal Blade, it was by all accounts the perfect record label for them and i think they're still with metal blade i could be wrong about that but i read something later on where i don't know we'll get into it if if we get there um but of note is track nine an exclusive called masturbate which is uh which is the audio that was played in the beginning of gore's 1992 concerts before the band took the stage so Obviously, uh, we talked about like getting your hands on physical copies, kind of tough, but you can get to it on Spotify. Yeah, which kind of ruins the magic of it a little bit because I remember when my older brother got a copy of this. Finally, he's like, "Dude, I'm so fucking excited! Like, I have Slaves Going Single, and I burn a copy of it, and I like shared it along with all my friends, and they're like, what the fuck is?' This? <laughs> but I was so excited because I had grown up listening to Guar with my older brother, and I'm like. It's like raw studio recordings. Like they do, it's like them talking to each other through the studio mics and stuff, and they're all very drunk through most of this, mm-hmm. <laughs> most yeah. of this demo tape. Um, it's just for me as a fan, it's really really cool. As a listener of music, not great. <laughs> yeah, not great at all. Yeah, yeah. If you if you grew up with it, it's it's really cool. Yeah, and I I really can appreciate that, but listening and trying to find a song for this one is it was rough. Yeah. um the best the best track on this album is mexican prickfish and it's yeah. just them just talking shit to each other for like six minutes yeah <laughs> it's it's not even a song really the song is like 10 seconds long at the very beginning and then it's just them talking shit on studio mics which is yeah. hilarious to me um you want to go first or me sure i'll do uh don's bong is gone don's bong um yeah, I almost I almost think we shouldn't have included this just because it's not a real album. It's not something that was ever like released. But for me, it holds a special place in my heart for the reasons I just explained. Um, and I've listened to this album probably more than any other Guar album just because I knew it was really rare. If we want to do a comprehensive history, we kind of have to. Got to have it. the bad shit too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but again, it's a, it's a unreleased demos and they're unreleased for a reason. Um, this song is largely unlistenable, but I love the like raw like again the raw recording banter like 
it, listening to Brocky kind of like make fun of the band is like I I don't know who pipes in behind him and says let's let's uh, I got a request let's do Don's Bong is gone he's like you guys can't do it <laughs> it's just really funny and then he like he like fucks up the first verse and he's like ah oh, fuck and then just comes back in with <laughs> just belting out this big note it's just so funny because you can tell they're all fucking wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Walk Hard with Dewey Cox. He's yeah. like, you can't handle this shit, Dewey. <laughs> you guys can't handle Don's Bong is gone. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he's like. You guys can't do it. <laughs> At the beginning of the song is him, is Odorous being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Just comes in with, you want me to be funny? You want me to be funny? And it's just, they like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Let's record a song. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's really slow and not very good, but I always love, every time... They get to the point where it's, where did I go wrong when you began something that was more than a song? I thought I knew you as you sucked upon my schlong. <laughs> that shit always kills me. Where do I stand? It's just really fucking bad. But That sounds like- better than what he put on the mic, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly. Um, yeah, we, we talked about this uh, when you first put it on the playlist. I was like cleaning around the house and working on some stuff and I heard this song and I had to go find my phone to turn this shit off because it <laughs> like it offended me. Um just the and it, like we said this is B-sides this is stuff It's not even just B-sides like, it's unreleased. It's yeah it's like studio stuff that should have never been on tape. Yeah. Um so once I got some context I wasn't as mad but hearing it and this playlist was like offensive to yeah, me. Yeah, sure. Um, so if you get to Don's Bong is Gone, don't think of gore as Don's Bong is Gone. Yeah. It's it's like having beers with your buddy and they get a little too drunk and you're kind of getting annoyed with them. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how I felt. This this whole album doesn't work on a playlist because it's way more fun to just listen to it front to back mm-hmm. because a lot of the tracks lead into each other of them just talking shit to each other. It's It's a fun historical piece rather than an album. Yeah. Um, and I think it works better if you don't try to force it into a playlist with actual music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the vocal delivery, I think I've already mentioned it. Yeah. it it's got to be the worst I've heard. And it, I think the most frustrated I was about it was that it was five minutes long. <laughs> that's, un- so long. that's unforgivable. And it's like almost like a rock opera at times. Yeah. So it was like just an idea that wasn't fully fleshed out. Yeah. And the last like, Two minutes is just odors going. That's the part I was like, get me out of here. Yeah, it's just bad. Um, the only redeeming quality about this song is at the very end when someone comes in and does their like John Lennon impersonation. <laughs> I love that dude because yeah. that that's such a like a deep cut reference on a deep cut album. Like that's <laughs> fucking beautiful. Well, yeah, it just shows that they know music, right? Yeah. I mean, they're 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 very smart and intellectual people. Yeah, but uh, he says, uh, "Thank you and good night. We hope we pass the audition. We hope we pass the audition." <laughs> uh, and then I love the little guitar part at the end. The do 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 do. And the song it's like, "Yeah, like you little cocksucker." We know this song sucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, my song from Slaves Going Single is Guar Baby Cartoon Theme. <laughs> yeah. Um. This feels like video game music while you're in a wait screen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or an old DVD home screen song. Yes. If, if you're like watching a movie and then you wake up in the middle of the night and the home screen's still the playing. Doom, 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 doom. Yeah. Like a like a a corny action movie like Inspector Gadget or something. <laughs> yeah, like a kids action movie. <laughs> yes. yes. Um it's just weird and chaotic and it feels like it's building up to something. Oh. And then it just cuts the yep. legs off. And I was done. like that that's what i want from a deep cut you know <laughs> something weird and you're like what the fuck and by the time you're like trying to figure out what it is it's over yeah they just ran out of tape mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah that's how i like my my demos like one minute long and kind of just like never fully realized yep, yep. i mean because then you know why it was never but this actually was used in one of their movies they have slave pit tv which is their fake tv station and the Guar Babies cartoon was a fake show on that fake TV station. <laughs> That's funny. In their movie, in the the Guar universe of movies, um, and it's they actually play this song in the movie. I'm pretty sure, um, but because I, I remember seeing the animated opening sequence for Guar Babies, and uh, so it has actually been used outside of this album, which I think is pretty funny. Um, Do I always skip this song? Yes. Do I think it's awesome? Also, yes. <laughs> it's just, again, in a song, in, a, in an album where there's not a whole lot of music, this is, it's so jarring to hear it because it's like, it's right in the middle of the album. It's not like tacked on the end. <laughs> I was really close to picking like their like faux, um, like, uh, the four-part techno thing at the end? No, the the rap one. Oh, yeah. Where the, Sly Minstra's rapping. <laughs> it's so bad. But I was like, I don't... It's like Methods of Mayhem bad. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our last album. Well, hold on, because I, I think I think this was a one-track take for this 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 song. I think somebody had like a, a kid's Sanyo key... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh my god. Casio? Keyboard. Yeah. yeah, Casio keyboard. Just like a kid's version. It doesn't have the full key layout and they just fucking played this and we're like giggling the whole time. And we're like Or like an automated one. Like, yeah. like you want to see me play a song yeah. and then you hit one it's of the just like the demo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what it, it was. It, it's literally just somebody was fucking around with a little kid's keyboard and like they all somebody played it and they just thought it was funny. They're like, mm-hmm. Oh, that kind of sounds like a kid's cartoon. Let's put it on Slave Pit TV. Um, yeah, it's just really funny. Um, yeah. Again, do I hate, do I not like, do I like listening to it? Not really. But is it awesome? Yes. Yeah. Uh, violence has arrived. 2001. Yes, fucking finally. Yes. Uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first since I have two? Well, I'm going to give one. you a little. Oh little, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Uh, violence has arrived was released on November 6, 2001. According to an interview with Dave Brocky, it was originally supposed to be released on September 11th, 2001. But Metal Blade would not release it until November. According to Slave Pit Inc., it was not finished. According to sources, they did not even start recording the album until July. And Dave Brocky, the Dave Brocky experience, had a tour in September. Yeah. So a lot of conflicting reports. It came out in November. I don't know why he would say it was supposed to come out on September 11th. But I know he did a show on September 12th in New York with the Dave Brocky experience. And the live recording of that show is wild. Really? Yeah, it's. I think it was either the. It was either September 11th or September 12th. Like he did it in some little bar with the Dave Rocky experience. It's fucking wild, wild Jesus. live recording. Um, 
because he has to talk about what happened and he's in new york you know right so it's 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 wild yeah the dave brocky experience i don't know how much time we're going to spend talking about not, it but not much um it was just like a weird little creative outlet for him i guess yeah i think it was most of the original band <laughs> yeah i think it was a way for him to like keep doing weird shit yeah. because we kind of get away from the weird shit especially when uh violence has arrived which is a very big welcome from us yeah yeah um violence has arrived was an album that the band enjoyed recording everyone was ecstatic when uh gore put out violence has arrived in 2001 it mar- it marked uh gore's triumphant return to metal and the world breathed a collective sigh of relief that we hadn't put out another We Kill Everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and is still featured heavily on tour. Um, Biodriver is often used to end shows. Uh, Violence Has Arrived was also a more successful album in terms of album sales, which had been on the decline since Ragnarok. Yeah. You can kind of feel why. Why, yeah. Um, when asked about his favorite war album to listen to, Sleazy P. Martini names this album. I don't disagree. Yeah, it's it's, it's not, right up there with one of my favorites for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, it's got probably my favorite song of Guar's. I mean, the the whole next fourteen years of Guar is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I cannot fucking wait for next week. It's yeah, so much just beautiful metal in the next fourteen years for Guar. Yeah, which is crazy because we've already covered what nine albums and they've got another <laughs> so much time up till still up covered. till this year. They're still making music, mm-hmm. so um, it's crazy. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you go first. Okay, cool. So my first one, and this is, um, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but um, Immortal Corruptor is might be my favorite Guar song of all time. It's so fucking good, dude. It, like, just the opening, that, or whatever the fucking car, guitar goes, and then they just do, I talk about it all the time, just being able to punctuate silence perfectly. Like, the, the, the chug cuts off, and then it's just the, uh, a quick snare hit and then a quick um, kick drum hit and they go right back into that main chug and then he does like a really cool like just simple pattern with the kick drum for the second part of it mm-hmm. but it's just again using silence like effectively in songs especially in metal to like really punctuate that last phrase you were just in it's just it fucking makes my dick hard dude it's so <laughs> fucking good um, and this, it's just, this song is just chugs. It's just chugs. And we all know how much I love a, a mm-hmm. chuggy fucking track, dude. With an anthemic chorus, like that. Immortal. Corruptor. And it's just anytime they do gang vocals too, it's just because I think Od- Odorous's voice lends itself really well to gang vocals because mm-hmm. it's, it's super easy to harmonize with, but it's also super unique at the same time. So they're harmonizing, but you can still hear his voice over top of that harmony really well. It's just, mm, fucking love this song. Give him more. Give him more. Give me more. Um, This this song and this album, but this song in particular, um, I think is the beginning of the golden age of Guar. Like, I really do think the next 14 years is what I would consider, like, either their golden age or, like, their second golden age, because a lot of people would put, like, slum dogs and uh, america must be destroyed is like their first golden age but to me like when they just fully commit to metal that's guar at their best mm-hmm. it just fits their aesthetic better i mean i love their punk stuff but man oh man are they better as a as a metal band just straight up it's just so fucking good it feels like the natural like grown-up progression to go from punk to metal yeah and not a lot of bands do that um not successfully anyway no i can't think of any band that 
has gone from punk to to yeah, metal. Not off the top of my head, no. I think like thrash bands could do. Yeah, it's just and that's kind of similar. But I mean, thrash is just hardcore punk, really. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, th- this might be my favorite album artwork since Slum Dog or Scum Dogs. Scum Dogs, yeah. I keep wanting to call it Slum Dogs. Well, it's Slum Dog Millionaire on the I mind, do. But. Um, but yeah, it looks like Small Soldiers. I think we talked about that off. <laughs> yeah, it does. It. Go pull up Small Soldiers. What a deep cut. Yeah, pull up that movie poster and then pull up the album art for Violence Has Arrived. It's like the same color scheme, too. It's crazy. And I don't know if it's like Claymation. I don't know how they made the album artwork. I'd be interested to know. But, yeah, uh, it really took me back. And I love that. It, it It's already got like three marks up for the album artwork. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of feels nice to come back down to earth after we've spent this time in like untethered in the stratosphere <laughs> yeah. um and we're back from our weird detour into metal like f- pedal to the metal metal um we get some spanish guitars kind of open the track yeah. uh we didn't talk about that um i love using the word flamenco so i'm gonna mm-hmm. just say it because that was a great word i didn't use it in my notes but i knew i was gonna say it in real <laughs> life um and we get this like long bass intro into this like really sick metal track uh the vocal delivery almost reminds me of like 80s Metallica, yeah, and I think it's because the like the of chaos. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's the momentum and the way he like delivers it. It's like Anthrax or Metallica in the 80s. It's really fucking cool. It really rocks. And this is five minutes well spent. It's crazy. Time is relative. This five minutes went by so much quicker than the five minutes on Don's. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. Um, yeah, great track. Yeah, it is. It, this album gets the unfair advantage of being after a couple poopy albums yeah some real turds so this one i think is gonna always be not overhyped but properly hyped because you're back in yeah especially on a deep dive yeah i mean lust in space i think is probably a better album overall um just for a lot of reasons but yeah i mean you're right it, it, it does get the the uh handicap of being at the end of a really weird period in a band's history so it's kind of like uh, Death Magnetic for Metallica, where mm-hmm. they had a like a ten year run of being pretty bad, and then they come out with just a fucking banger of an album. And I'm always gonna love that album because it was like when I heard it, I was like, "Fuck yes, this is old Metallica. This is what I wanted. This is Master of Puppets and Justice for All, Ride the Lightning." Metallica. It, re- it rewards longtime fans for sticking it out because yeah. I always keep up with bands, even if I'm not like a huge fan. I'm like, ah, you know, I'll give the next album a try. Yeah, this, for sure. This isn't my cup of tea. I'll. I'll I'll check back in the next time they release a single, and I think this kind of album rewards being around for that. Yeah, it does, absolutely does, and and it's I don't know I don't I didn't touch on on my notes, but after like because my older I was thinking about why I didn't listen to these albums past like We Kill Everything growing up, and it's because my brother moved away. Like he joined the army, he was in you know he he wasn't there to show me new Guar stuff, and I was moving into other stuff. Like I started listening to new metal and got into that and started doing taking my own path and so i completely missed basically 2001 up till the current era until my current deep dive like i knew it existed and i'd heard it here and there but i'm so upset that like i hadn't been listening to this the whole time because guar would be my favorite metal band if i had been listening to them this whole time and so this this has been really cool for me because i'm getting to rediscover a band that i've loved since time immemorial for me it's mm-hmm. it's just like fuck oh shit like 
this is all new shit to me and it's all fucking great. So I'm, I'm, I fucking, that's another reason why I love this album too. Cause it was like the first album that I had never listened to really all the way. Hell yeah. And I'm like, fuck yes, dude. I missed out on so much good guar. It's like, I've got a, I've got 20 years of guar that I'd never listened to. And it's a band that I already had such affinity for. Um, it's just been super, super exciting for me. And that's why I wanted to do this month because I was, once I got to this part in my deep dive, that's when I texted you. I was like, Hey, let's do scum dog September. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think I wanted to get in on it too, but that's when I was like on vacation. It was kind of weird to yeah. like try to orchestrate that. So doing yeah. it on the podcast holds us accountable. I think. Yeah, for sure. You want to do your last track and then I'll do mine. Sure. Um, so the second track I picked from this album, um, a song of words, um, again, from violence has arrived. Um, I love this song because it's very much, I think you kind of reference it too, but this reminds me of bring the noise by anthrax and, um, public enemy. It's very much kind of, um, it very much fits that new metal vein where it's like metal meets hip hop. And again, this isn't a hip hop track by any means. It's just more spoken word done to a meter. So it's going to sound like hip hop, but um, I just love hearing Odorous like gather the troops because they've 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 escaped the the master and they like we've raped and pillaged and killed everything here. Now what are we gonna do? Let's go kill this character called the Black Pope. And it's just them. It's him gathering the troops and he kind of gives them all an introduction. Um, and then they go fucking get in a battle. It's just it's like a it's like a spoken word. It's like sitting around a campfire on some distant planet with dead bodies scattered around and odorous retelling like his tale of how they did this. Um, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. I, it's, it's like one big long verse. Yeah. There's no, I think <laughs> I love the way they structure songs. Sometimes they like break it up really nice. And sometimes it's just one big long song yeah. and it's, it's almost like theater esque. Yeah, I mean that's what it is. Their, their shows are musical theater. Mm-hmm. Like they are just a they are musical theater. It's just really heavy musical theater. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's wrapped like a Beastie Boys like Run DMC song. Yeah, uh, it's got some really cool backing of instrumentals that make it heavier than than either of those. But it kind of reminds me of like early Beastie Boys, mm-hmm. and I really like that. Like the fact that they can kind of dip their toe in that and be like. We're never going to do that again, but we did it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so cool, man. Um, Yeah, great pick. Thanks. My last pick, The Apes of Wrath. Um, the the last track we're going to cover from wrath. Violence Has Arrived. The Apes of Wrath. God. What a cool name for a song, too. Man, nothing <laughs> makes you want to join a cult like getting some yeah. chants. Um, I needed a good chant from Gore again this week. I got it uh, with this thrash metal banger. There's uh, someone trying to do background fry screams. And it was the first time I'd heard that from them. And I was like, oh, oh, they're a metal band now. Yeah, (laughs) we were getting serious. Um, It makes my heart very happy to hear that. At 145, we get um, some bass and spoken word. I love that. Yeah, that's just a little just a moment. And it, it moves right on. And it's they never dwell on things too long, and it's probably because they're ADD. Maybe there's no way or Dave I Rocky think didn't have ADHD. I just think they're really good songwriters. I really do. But I also think like he doesn't want to do the same thing twice. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, for so, sure. So 
as someone that also doesn't like doing the same things over and over yeah. again, I totally feel that. Um, you know it's going to be a killer metal track. Um, I just had a really fun time with this album and this playlist um, because you kind of do get this like evolution. Same as we got last week. It feels like even though they've been a band at this point for over 10 years, getting close to like 12, 13 years, we're still seeing growth. And this album was probably the most we saw growth from yeah i mean their evolution doesn't stop either like i think when i got towards the end of my deep dive i got on the discord and i was like this the guar is one of the most creative and i think most underrated bands of all time because because they never had the opportunity to sell out they just made really fucking solid metal for a long time and it's to do that on top of like having all this lore and all the comic books and all of the um like s- intricate stage shows and playing really fucking hard like not super hard but pretty hard metal and they're doing it in these huge fucking suits and to be able to shred like they do man it's fucking so impressive um and it just allowed them to focus on doing what they loved so you never lose that authenticity with this band and it's just always there it's always exactly what they want to do and i think that is why they're still touring today like they have the perfect fan base like we talked about we've talked about it before it's like when we discover a new band we're like we kind of want them to stay at the exact level of fan base they are because it feels special guar will always be that way because they're so inaccessible to the general public Mm -hmm. that you almost kind of have to be a super fan to really get into them yeah it's like a a club where if too many people get it it loses its charm Uh, yeah that would definitely be gore yeah again they 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 have it built into where they can never be big it's just because that's what they their their lyrical content the music that they make metal is not super friendly um to a lot of people and you know add that on top of songs called like fish fuck and preschool prostitute and like Mm -hmm. they're just not accessible and i love that about them yeah it's just because it's like i get to enjoy this fucking awesome music that you will never experience because you're too close-minded to experience it and love it um again i don't know maybe it's just i like feeling superior but yeah um, it's i think that's part of it yeah i think they do too i think um i think that again being in an art collective making art is masturbatory Mm mm-hmm um at its core uh and i think that's why i like it yeah because it's just someone's pure essence and what they want to do um anyway what i thought about this song <laughs> um there's a real there's a reason there's four like i said earlier there's a reason there's four submissions from this album it's just the best album in this this time period for sure um and maybe their best album to date at this point um but yeah no it's like you said it's a thrasher um i was really close to picking this song but I decided to just go with the, the the story of their battle instead because I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, man, it's just Metal Guar. It's an absolute neckbreaker. And this, again, this sets the stage for the next 20 years of Guar. Um, and I, I can't wait to talk about this, this next era because it's so fucking good. Yeah. We're just getting started. Yeah, we really are. <laughs> we still got so many albums yeah, left. Yeah. Well, we have eight albums left. Uh, so we got six... In the next era. Yeah, so eight albums. Sheesh. Um, yeah, I, I think it's worth mentioning there was a new guitarist introduced. Yeah. That really, I think, for uh, Violence Has Arrived, 
I think really influenced the metal. Yes. Get them back to where they needed to be. And I think he was a younger guy that came in from another metal band. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget his name, but that is significant for their trajectory, yeah. I think. Yeah, 100%. Um, and yeah. I, and I think that's part of their success, too, going back to my little t- rant I just had, is the fact that, I mean... Uh, Brocky said at one point Guar is a band that could last for a thousand years and I think he's right like even his death didn't stop the band They're, the last two albums they've made without him are been fucking awesome and I think that's what helps them evolve too is just that since they do play in costumes and they do play characters um, anybody can be in this band as long as they keep that same kind of artistic integrity like this band really could last for a thousand years I mean They've already been doing it for almost 40, and they still sound fucking awesome. So, I mean, it's it's just crazy to think about how, like, that, that those words are true. Like, this band could last for a thousand years because it doesn't matter who's playing it as long as they stay true to what Guar is um, artistically. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. Yeah, I, I love listen, it. I hope I'm listening to Guar, new, a new Guar album on the day I die. <laughs> That's the dream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a great sentiment to leave, to to leave this playlist on. Right. Let's get into songs of the show. Okay. My song of the show, "Fence Walker" by Normie. Mm-hmm. You listened to it? I didn't listen to it. No, I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. Um. I think I've made it very clear. I love Heart Attack Man. Yeah. So I will follow him to the depths. He has a pop punk side project, and it's all pop punk. It's a lot like No Pressure. Yeah. And anytime someone has a side project and it's pop punk and it has really cool artwork. I'm all in. Yeah, I'm, for sure. I've already pre-ordered the LP nice. or the the EP and a T-shirt, so I'm all in, Normie. <laughs> and they're from Cleveland, Ohio, so stand up. Yeah, perfect. There you go. Um, my song of the show is "Slaughter Beach" by Clutch, and Clutch is another band that's been making music since fucking mid '80s, um, and they still fucking rock. They're just hard rock. They'll never change. Um, and every now and again, you just need a good fucking hard rock song. Um, you know, when you get, when you see butt rock having a revival on TikTok, and like, it just pisses me off because bands like Clutch, which are really good hard rock, which is what butt rock is pretending to be, yeah. never really got the fame that they deserved. I'd for, I don't know why the fuck they didn't. I mean, they're, they're a pretty good following, um, but they're just so good. Mm-hmm. It's just good, solid hard rock. Eh, that's what we uh, around these parts call a cruising tune. Yeah, that's right. It is an absolute cruising tune um clutch is great i mean mm-hmm. we'll do a we'll do a clutch album at some point because yeah. i love them but um my wife zoe wanted us to uh include blue <laughs> dabadi by julie griffin who is doing the voice of goofy yeah uh it was like a repressed memory that yeah. uh she unlocked today and it's kind of weird it's kind of funny to hear goofy sing but the chorus kind of slaps we listened to it before yeah it's fine and, um they're not gonna fuck the song up that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah it wasn't a great song to begin with yeah uh but yeah thought that would be funny to include and she was really excited that uh we liked it so if you guys want to check out our playlist obviously we're gonna have our our playlist included into um the show notes and we're gonna have a full comprehensive playlist of all these albums that we discussed today that uh, you can click on, listen to, listen through if you want to dig through them. Uh, if you want to check out our social media, 
Our Instagram is at off the beaten cliff. Our Twitter is at off cliff. That's all that matters. Don't even mention the other stuff. We have a TikTok. We have a link for our Discord. Yes. In our show notes. Yeah. Um, It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Discord is so much fun. So join in on the fun. Yeah. Get get berated by bots. Mm-hmm. Um, come have fun discussions. We do, you know, we 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 do movie nights. We've fallen off the last couple of weeks. Uh, the absence of Dill, really, we really felt it. <laughs> you guys did too without me. Yeah, we, that's true. I guess we did, but um, but yeah, that it's it's so much more than just talking about the episode. Uh, if you have, if you were into trivia, we're doing some trivia nights coming up soon. Yep. Uh, movie nights. Uh, we. Discuss pretty much anything under the moon and topicals. So. Any, anything I want my friends to know about gets discussed on there. Yeah. <laughs> the we, off-topics discussion channel is the most active one for sure. Yeah. Like we text each other about most things yeah. uh, individually that are like pertinent to the show, but everything else we kind of just communicate in the Discord. Yep. So come on in. Water's fine. <laughs> I don't know why. I've just taken over <laughs> a, a country accent. That's how you know it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> that made me think of uh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> Can't sit here. Seat's taken. Um, yeah, I don't know why, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, so next week, like we said, uh, we're going to be getting into some more guar. Mm-hmm. So um, buckle up. Buckle up, buddy. Um, real quick, some housekeeping. We got our merch logo done. Uh, we were messing around with it a little bit, and uh, some exciting stuff on the, the that end. Our merch logo fucking kicks ass. Again, uh, big shout out to Aaron Powell who designed it for us. Um, it looks fucking great. It's very exciting. Um, yeah, we're trying to get everything lined up before we officially release it on our website. So stay tuned for that. Yep. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, and follow us on Discord yes. because we will. Discord will hear it all first. Yep, that is they're right because they're on there and doing the thing with us. So, yep, there you go. We'll see you all next week. Bye.